Record on this computer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to RT Radio One. I'm Ryan Tuberty with Pat Kenny and <laughs> trying to think of somebody else that works at RT. <laughs> Dustin Never mind. <laughs> Dustin the Turkey. Um, welcome back. To, welcome back to the podcast, guys. We have Shane Story on today. Um, round two, um, the sequel to his first podcast. Shane, what's crack with you today? Not too much. All good. Just uh, enjoying my new life. As an yeah, you're once again. Yeah, you're you're feeling good. You're feeling you're feeling festive, are you? I'm feeling fed. Yeah, fed. You know, I'm looking forward That's... to some Christmas dinners now. I have to say, had my first roast dinner last weekend, courtesy of Emma's mother, mm. who makes some of the finest roast dinners. And uh, yeah, had two plates, two plates of dessert. It's nice to uh, be able to eat and not have to think about what the calorie contents or macro contents of the meals are once again. So, mm. but well earned. I think. Yes. What's your favorite uh, Christmas food? Um, that is a tough one. Uh, just, I mean, just the, the turkey and ham. I mean, the Christmas dinner, like, is yeah, yeah, that that <clears throat> I'm really good roasties. Mm. Can't really beat that. Yeah, we're 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 having roast beef for uh for Christmas this year. Um, I've been informed, no turkey, because everyone was just kind of like, "These like turkey," and everyone was just like, "Not really," even though we'd been eating it for like fifteen years every Christmas. Like, so it's like, yeah, we'll just do roast beef this year. Then fuck it. Everybody's too too uh too honest. To uh, say that they don't like it, it yeah, like it's it's, it's nice, there. it's yeah. nice, but it's not like you know. I'm not like I. I think if you if you gave me the choice, I would pick roast beef most of the time. Like, yeah, it's Christmas. It's more Christmassy, obviously, to have turkey and ham. But I would agree that roast beef is probably nicer. Yeah. Or like get a get a saucy beef Wellington or something in there. Like Fiona's mom made us that there the other week. Uh, it was fucking good shit um yeah i mean my well my mom my mother obviously makes uh an excellent turkey she like soaks it in milk and there's like orange essence going in there as well so it's and it's it, it turns out pretty nice so i'll be looking forward to that but i think mince pies are probably my favorite festive food uh i do love consuming a few of those over the christmas period and brussels have, as well i've never once had a mince pie in my life you're joking. I just, what? I, I don't know. They they don't look like the type of thing that I'd really get on board with, to be honest. I don't know. But, but you like pastries. Meat jam. So, like, you know, the toss of eating that, like. Now, now, now we're starting to understand why preppers was so easy for you because you're just, like, <laughs> not into all these processed foods. Like, <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're legit, man. They're. I mean, you should try. Try like the mini one or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'll have, to, I'll have to wait until I'm drunk. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more, uh, a lot more experimental. When I'm, what about a bit drunk? God knows what that extends to. <laughs> <laughs> in your life, uh, Jesus. Okay. Um, I will say as well, not that, not at all fond of Christmas cake. No. Christmas cake and fuck off. Um, 
I like it, but um, it makes me uh, fart quite a lot, so I can't have it. So, yeah, it's just, it's just not, it, it's, it can't be included in any large amounts or else just a complete disaster. So, I, even though I do like it. And then what about Christmas pudding? Like, if, if Shane doesn't like mince pies, he probably doesn't like Christmas pudding. But No, my, my family have, like, a traditional recipe, and they're always, obviously, eating it around Christmas. But, honestly, it looks like... It looks like like a football somebody found underneath the shed. <laughs> I can assure you it doesn't taste like that, but yeah, it's it's kind of it's low level on the dessert scale. And it, like that's actually something I talk to people about in terms of nutrition is like you want to go for the high yield stuff. Like don't just eat something like Christmas pudding or Christmas cake if you don't really, really like it. Like if there's something yeah. that you much prefer, like a mince pie or something, then choose that and then you'll enjoy that rather than saying oh, i'll just have like christmas pudding for the sake of it um so that will be something i'll be i'll be talking to a lot of people about like you have to kind of pick your battles and choose the high yield stuff and you know don't be picking at chocolates at work you know if you want to have some like bring them home with you and then have them when you can actually enjoy them rather than just mindlessly scoffing them while you're while you're at work so yeah there's your nutrition tip for this episode um yeah we basically want to well we want to get on topic first but the topic is talking about like last time we had shane on it was just after nationals in um the spring and he had just got his 700 kilo toll and his powerlifting, and we're gonna pick up the story from there the the shane story um so yeah what have you what have you been doing shane since then for people who may not be aware i I doubt there are many that aren't are unaware, but just in case. So uh, since I finished nationals, I've been participating in a starvation experiment, which resulted with me stepping on stage, starved in a tongue, tanned up and flexing my starved body in front of hundreds of people at a time uh, in multiple countries. So basically what I did is I did a natural bodybuilding prep. So from March until November, I was prepping and competing in bodybuilding. So the competition season started in September and I just finished up there at the end of November. So the competition kind of time span, I suppose, was like, what, eight, eight weeks or so, uh, which by then I had pretty much gotten into stage condition by my first show but i definitely did have some more to lose so the t- totality of like the prep lasted 36 weeks from march and i went from being a chunky strong well-fed happy 94 kilo powerlifter to being a very very hungry very very lean and muscular and grainy 76 kilo uh, bodybuilder so it was a very interesting process. So, what, 18 kilos lost in total throughout tri- tri- the 36 weeks. A lot of, yeah, a lot of steps, not many calories, um, not a huge amount of cardio, but but a lot of lessons learned through the entire process. Yeah. Uh, how many shows did you end up doing? I did six. So this was my first ever time doing an after bodybuilding prep and i wanted to get as much kind of stage time as possible so 
the initial two shows I did were with the WNBF Ireland and the NBFI Ireland. So both of those are like qualifiers. Like they're both in different federations because like bodybuilding and powerlifting, they're kind of like, they're unlike football where like, you know, there's one kind of governing, governing body, like, you know, FIFA or UEFA or whatever. But in bodybuilding, because I suppose it's not really kind of funded, anybody could just start up a federation really, you know. Um, but these are two two different federations. So they all had different qualifiers for like bigger shows. So they were they were the initial ones as aiming for. And like the kind of goal of the prep was to get experience of going through the prep and kind of committing to a process like that because that was something that I wanted to do. It was very different to powerless and um what I accomplished towards the end of like my last powerlifting a competitive season I suppose you could call it like that was a goal I worked towards for ages like I literally worked towards getting towards 700 since I started powerlifting like I think my first total was 620 and then naturally enough I wanted to hit hit 700 as a nice milestone so I worked on that for like pretty much three years and I said you know if I can get to that kind of level of strength I probably will have a decent amount of like muscle mass built by that time time course. So it'd be a good time to kind of shift focus for a brief time period and get involved in natural bodybuilding, which is something I always wanted to do, but just never really had the balls to do. I never really thought I would be ready. But once I kind of reached that milestone, I said, yeah, look, it's probably as good a time as any to jump into it. So I entered into those two shows uh, with the aim of just really kind of going through the process, as I mentioned, you know, committing to a diet as strict as that would be because I've done plenty of diets in the past, but like, you know, they're pretty much like self-coached and they didn't have like a hard kind of time point, like a hard kind of goal, like Stefan on stage. It'd be like dieting for like a festival or dieting for a holiday, which, you know, it can be a little bit more lenient, but you don't necessarily need to be as strict with because it's not for competitive reasons. It's purely for, your own kind of reasons so then with getting that stage experience like I, I wanted to get myself on stage first and that was like kind of go number one just make it to the stage because some people don't like some people will go into a body building prep and for whatever reason they may not make it to the actual stage itself so I just wanted to get on the stage and then if I could t- take off that goal then I could set like the kind of bigger goals and the bigger goals for me where I wanted, I really, really wanted to compete at WMBF Worlds. So WMBF Worlds is probably the largest um natural bodybuilding kind of competition in the world. And that was on towards the end of November. And then with the other federation, which is NBFI, they were qualifiers for like the UK finals and the European finals, as well as the Natural Olympia. So the only one of those I didn't do was the Natural Olympia because I didn't qualify for that. Uh, so yeah, it was... um. Yes, and then I also did untested show. So while I did five natural shows, I did one in an untested federation. So in the natural natural federations, for the most part, you'll get drug tested. So WMBF, they're very, very strict with their drug testing uh, like protocols. So it's urine analysis as well as a polygraph. Whereas with the other federations, so the gold federation is INBA, their drug testing policy is more kind of based off like winners or kind of random random drug selection, random random drug testing, which has its own issues, of course. Um, but then with the untested shows, they like you know you're going up against guys who 
are potentially using some assistance uh, in the form of anabolics uh, or other things. And some people will just be like me who are, who are potentially natural as well. Uh, so I did that because I just, again, wanted to get more stage experience. I competed in classic physique in that show and it coming third. So, yeah, putting up to the guys in the juice. But, yeah, it was, a again, as I mentioned, loads of lessons learned just from doing all those shows because, like, as a coach as well, um, and somebody who like, you know, wants to take on people, he wants to get into that side of, uh, like, you know, competitive bodybuilding, it was important for me to get as much stage experience as possible to make the mistakes that potential clients in the future could face, you know, because I'm, I'm a firm believer in walking the walk. And like, you know, I, I've coached a lot of powerlifters now through having competed in powerlifting for so many years myself. And I could not imagine taking on people who want to go into what I've just experienced there without having the prior kind of experience myself. Because you pick up a lot of kind of tacit knowledge just from going through the experience that you don't learn from like reading in a book or like doing a course. Um, and as well, understanding like what the mentality may be like. Like I consider myself to be somebody who's pretty mentally strong um and then even kind of seeing how at times i i struggle mentally through, through the process trying to kind of if you didn't have that prior experience and you are trying to kind of uh console somebody or or like motivate somebody who isn't a kind of that same kind of mindset you may not necessarily be striking the same chords that you need to having not had that experience mm, yeah yeah i suppose it's like <clears throat> when yeah like as you say like the theory is all really nice in terms of like oh like here's your peaking protocols and here's how to do it here's the maths behind it but then it's like when you can actually say oh i've actually been in your shoes when you're two weeks out from a show and you're stupidly hungry and your mood is all over the place you can actually genuinely empathize with them whereas like you know if you have a coach that maybe that's not the case they are really going to struggle um to sort of get on that client's level um with with their current struggles like so yeah i think that's a very very good point that you made there mm, yeah like it's it's not just like a maths problem <laughs> you know which i think it can come down to if you don't have that kind of relevant experience like i was getting coached by uh team 3d mj through the process and brad loomis was my coach and like it, it it's it is really interesting because like they're they're like at the top of their game in terms of like having the niche of just being natural bodybuilding coaches and like they coach uh, powerlifters as well but you know even uh, when it did come to like the peak weeks and like you know the the kind of comp competition season as such and with bodybuilding being like a purely visual visual kind of sport you know you do have to have that coaching eye to kind of see where somebody's condition looks best, you know, throughout the week. And then that's obviously going to dictate things like the peaking protocol, what works, what's not working. You know, when you go from like being flat, as they say, or full or spilled, you know, to kind of get you to the point where you are going to look like the best on stage. And like, that is something that is in like, it's very, very individual. Like you, you can learn about those terms, and what they mean in like a book or like a course, but you have to actually be assessing the individual to kind of pick up like you know, where their areas for those kind of 
uh, things like pop up, right? And like what type of protocols make those things like stand out more or what kind of lessons them. So alert learned uh, it's fun uh, just through going through that process itself. And that's kind of what di- differs like the bodybuilding process, uh, like the, the, the diet part at least, uh, from from a, di- a diet from a holiday. Because like when you're dieting for like a holiday or dieting for a festival or a wedding or something like that, like realistically, you're not getting that lean to be able to kind of see those differences. Like you'll definitely be able to see like what like you gaining water retention from like um an enjoyable weekend, but like you know you're you're never really kind of seeing the extreme pronouncements that you would see in like a bodybuilding prep because there's so many different kind of like lines that can fade. <laughs> like I I I had like details popping up on my body on my body that I've I've never seen and I, I never thought could get as lean, you know. Um, and because th- like the kind of details so like kind of etched in like such a kind of fun like such a minute kind of change in like variables can have such a pronounced effect on what the actual overall look looks like whereas like if you just don't have that much detail which you know if you dive down to 10 percent body fat like you're going to be lean but you're not going to have as much detail that like if you go like 50 grams over your carbs one day that you're going to like lose a huge amount of your definition you know yeah the, yeah, the the margins are 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 so much smaller because it's, it's like whenever I'm saying the clients, you know the the difference in the first <clears throat> the first five pounds that you lose and the last five pounds that you lose in a dieting phase, even if it is just a, a typical fat loss phase, not for a bodybuilding show, the difference is incredibly stark. Not only in terms of the difficulty level, but also in terms of the difference that that actually makes your physique. Yeah, um, massively. Should I? Again, I went from 94 to, to 76. And like even the changes that I saw going from like 79 to 76, like even over three kilos, like like crazy. Like it went from like having like like somewhat of a kind of like outline of like alien fingers on my ass to just full on like walnut butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, when you're that lean, it's just is this a tiny amount of fat loss will just be so much more revealing, you know? In terms yeah. And, and as well, it's, it's the effect it has on you. Like obviously like, you know, visually you look, you start to look a lot different, but like, even like the, how you will feel with that, like extra little bit of body fat on you, like is, is crazy. Like I, I literally for like the last few weeks prep, I had to sit on a pillow everywhere, <laughs> you know? And then, then just like, even, just like my cognition my speech i think i was talking to so like a good few people on show day who like i really look uh, on wmbf world's show day who i really look up to and they must have been looking at me like this guy's retarded because like i could hardly speak like i was speaking so slow like even emma like my girlfriend she's meant to tolerate me no matter what she's like i felt like punching you some days because you're talking so slow yeah, those those one point I want to bring up as well that you didn't you didn't do this alone. Uh, yes, this prep. Do you want to just fill us in on that briefly, please? Yeah, so um, I did the prep alongside my amazing girlfriend Emma. So she did the exact same shows as I did, except she did do the natural Olympia. So she did seven shows, so I did six. Um, reason being, she qualified for that. I didn't. She had a really really good season. Um, and this was. Like, for the most part, this is her kind of bodybuilding season. Like, she's been working towards this 
for like the last like two three years mm-hmm. i really just kind of jumped into this prep because what like it wasn't like my, like my last few years of training was like dedicated towards bodybuilding like mm-hmm. i i was coming from being a powerlifter to going to a bodybuilder well, it's like the name of a, a youtube series I, i've heard of um but it's essentially i like i did not like prep prep like for the bodybuilding as such in my off season so i didn't necessarily look like uh, somebody who maybe did tailor their training towards bodybuilding um whereas like she has spent the last few years kind of dedicated towards this this is her like kind of time to shine i was kind of just like coming along for the ride i mean she was going to be dieting like you know i may as well have dieted as well because otherwise if i was like living my fat powerlifter life and like you know trying to enjoy my weekends and get my pizzas and burgers at the weekend you know it would have been way more difficult for her so you know it's a good good as time as any to do a prep together yeah and i I mean like we're going to be traveling to all the same shows anyway so you know i was going to be spending the exact same amount of money uh, and close close enough to it so so yeah uh, we did it together it's incredibly helpful to have the two of us doing together because like like one thing that where people struggle with when it does come to fat loss is not having a good support network. Mm. Like if you are with somebody who like, well, outright does not understand what your goal is, that's going to be very difficult for you to stay on track. Cause like, if somebody's like giving out that you're going to the gym, not spending time with them, like, you know, how's that going to be for your adherence? It's going to cause a lot of discord in the relationship. If somebody is there trying to like, you know, stick to like, you know, low calories, and try to be quite disciplined with it and the other person in the relationship is like oh come on just like you know let's just go out for food or like you know, i'm gonna bring home all these snacks and i'm gonna keep all the cover covers filled with you know all my little treats that you may one day decide to like binge on or go off and sh- off track on like that does make it very very difficult so i'm very fortunate that i do have emma and that we had each other trade the prep because like not only were we able to like curate our environment yeah be supportive of our goals like we we like even now if we don't snack like we don't keep snacks in the house we don't keep snackable foods like if i want to snack i have to like commit to like a 500 to 600 calorie meal as such because like that's pretty much the only kind of snackable stuff we have in the house which Mm -hmm. did kind of make things like easy um but then also because like you know we were both kind of on the same path in regards to like losing body fat um trying to stick to you know our steps our steps our macros we were going to the gym pretty much at the same time we were like accountability buddies as such so like while we did have like a coach that we checked in with every single week just having that form of accountability there and having the same kind of like driven mindset like we were both pretty much like switched on for like the whole process like while while there was kind of elements of flexibility to what we were doing like it was was pretty rigid because that is that's the goal at the end of the day. The goal, the goal is not to be like, oh, this is this bodybuilding thing that I'm doing to incorporate as part of my healthy lifestyle. It's like, no, this is <laughs> it's the sport. It's not healthy. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's very rigid. It's it's extreme, and you're gonna do extreme things. Yeah. So, you know, having having the like both of us there in the same kind of mindset environment, uh, it did kind of make the process far easier. Like I, I couldn't imagine doing it, and like one of us not being dieting. You know, I can't be like even like now we're already kind of having have in mind our next season which would be like 2025 uh, and we'll again we'll do we'll do it together because it just makes the process a lot easier i don't think it made it any 
harder the two of us doing it because like I don't know we like we we don't really kind of fight as such or kind of bicker as such anyway um but we both would have understood what we were exactly going through mentally and when to like kind of give each other space and when yeah. not and when to like kind of when we could kind of approach each other you know what I mean? yeah no it has to like <clears throat> you know whatever about someone not really understanding it you know but even if one of you wasn't in prep like if, if Emma was in off season or something and and just continuing to gain for like a season next year like that would have made it so much more difficult um so yeah the fact that <clears throat> you're both lined up and you obviously you know you use curated that on purpose and yeah has to have made the, the process a lot easier um, yeah. and then then even just from a like for anybody who is thinking of doing of doing a bodybuilding prep like in terms of like being in a relationship like some things you know they just uh, are not as frequent uh, as they once were right so like <laughs> over the course of the prep like i lost my libido right like no interest like in having sex with my girlfriend and i'm sure she was the exact same through a lot of the process too because you're not really kind of interested in it. you're just mainly kind of concerned about food you know like the last thing i'd like to do uh when i get into bed at night is you know have to expend more energy all right <laughs> like go, go go sleep right so you can imagine if you're if you're in a relationship and both of you are going, uh, like only one of you are going through that process and one person doesn't understand they may think it's because like oh i'm unattractive you don't love me anymore it's like no my dick doesn't work that's why <laughs> you know <laughs> so so like that that that's like another thing that you do have to factor in so if like anybody who's listened to this and they're like you know an aspiring bodybuilder like i as much as i love love the like the process of bodybuilding and how i really enjoyed doing the actual season itself i don't want to sugarcoat the entire experience because it did has a lot of really good takeaways from doing it and like you'll find out a lot of stuff about you but it's not something to be sugarcoated because again it's not it's not a holiday diet like you know it's there are serious things that will happen over the course of uh the kind of duration to to your health okay and that that can affect your relationships as well so it's just something that like needs to be thought about and you do i think in my, like in my opinion you need to be like quite experienced with this lifestyle yeah. before you jump into doing something mm. like this because it's, it's very much glamorized on like instagram and social media these days but doing like extreme cuts for photo shoots um and people just hop into bodybuilding preps because they're like that looks cool the pictures are cool like and it's like no you need, you need to think about this a little bit deeper because you know you can leave the process worse then you entered into the process and yeah. that's just a big consideration like mm. yeah there's a there's a lot of people that will do even photo shoot preps and the because either they went in without the proper foundational habits or without the proper exit plan and they just come out of it and you know they they rebound and they gain quite a lot of body fat and then you know it it can probably very much put them off doing something like that again damaged relationship with food etc um so yeah like i suppose with, with that in mind you know because i know there's, there's also this element of wanting to spend enough time in a gaining phase so that whenever you do go on stage you have enough muscularity to show off but then as i said there's the kind of the 
the routine setup, lifestyle setup end of things so that you can do it correctly and then come out of it correctly. Like I suppose, like say for example, you you obviously want to start coaching more clients um, with regards to bodybuilding. What is some of the things that you would say to somebody that's like, right, I want to do, I want to get into this sport, but I'm willing to, you know, take it slow if it's a two or three year, you know, period before we actually do a proper show. What's some of the things that that you're thinking about with with that client? I I de like them to have gone through like at least at the very least like two to three like full diet phases as well as like gaining phases too. Uh, main reason for that is like the first kind of diet you do, you're probably gonna make a lot of mistakes. Um, you're gonna have run into your own issues with adherence. You're gonna see where a lot of your kind of blind spots lie. Um, and it's gonna kind of <laughs> be a real kind of litmus litmus test. Uh, initially to see like you know is committing to something like bodybuilding in the long term something that you really want to do okay because you're going to find out pretty quickly like you know what your kind of values are throughout something like it like a diet like if you are not willing to stick to a diet for like 12 weeks mm. because you have lots of social occasions that you don't want to give them up then that is probably something that you're going to run into when it comes to prep like I'd, I'd give up a lot of social occasions over the, over the last eight months and like it's completely selfish but that's because it, it was it's my goal like at the end of the day nobody's forced me to do a bodybuilding prep like nobody asked me to do it <laughs> well emma emma kind of asked me to do it um but like you know not, nobody nobody's ha- holding my hand to the fire and like when times got tough being like you know you you, you you have to do it you have to do it like like nobody was telling me to do that it was completely my decision so how I kind of dealt with those kind of struggles and motivation was completely down to me. But it's because I was able to deal with them because I've went through so many kind of diet experiences in the past. Like I've went through the phases of like doing stupid things with diets of like, you know, cutting out carbs completely and just eating protein Um, of like, you know, trying to do like intermittent fasting for like, you know, unreasonable lengths Um, like, you know, trying to incorporate way too much kind of processed food in my diet and be like, like the extreme end of like flexible dieting or if it fits your macros, you know? Um, and like, these are things that you got, that you will go through in like your first, like once, once, once two diets. And um, then by the, by the third time you get to like a diet, you probably will have a lot of those kind of things kind of smoothed out and you'll have a lot of kind of baseline habits in place. Like you'll understand way more about how to kind of structure your day in regards to keeping yourself full and, and what type of meals will keep you full. You'll know your kind of food sources that kind of vibe with you which ones, you know, uh, again, like, you know, keep you full, which ones are convenient to prep, which ones are convenient to cook. Uh, but these are a lot of things that you will, that you won't get to in your very, very first diet. Like it, it will probably take like one or two goals of it. But before those, you're also going to have to go through gaining phases. Again, the gaining phase, initial one, like you're probably going to fuck up a good few times. Again, you're probably going to like end up potentially like, binge eating or or like like not necessarily binge eating like disorder but like you know being a bit too uh, extravagant with your calorie surplus on like one day and then other days like you know not reaching your surplus you won't be able to kind of sustain the surplus for like long enough Um, again you'll probably be running into issues with food sources like some people generally have an issue with gaining weight which like sometimes I'm like wow but like you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, but, um, like you know some people do and that can be true like you know just 
their own kind of ge- genetic predisposition, like low appetite or whatever like that. Maybe they have a really high, high energy expenditure, or maybe they just are kind of stuck in a loop of like trying to eat too healthy in the gaining phase and then therefore not like putting on the weight that, that they need. And that's kind of a mental barrier that they'll run into. Um, but then as well, like, you know, if you go through three gaining phases, you'll probably have a decent amount of muscle mass by the time you finish that. So by the time you go through like, like again, two, three diet, diet phases, two, three gaining phases, you'll both have the muscle mass built and you'll have the dietary kind of adherence or sorry, the dietary habits needed to actually have a successful prep. Because if you don't have them, you could be setting yourself up for failure because at the end of the day, like, you know, you're like, you are going to be getting on stage with people who are in that position. You know, you're going to be getting on stage with people who are going to have that muscle mass built. You're going to have people who have gotten to the point where they are like stage condition lean. You know, you don't want to kind of get up. I Like in my opinion, I don't think, I don't see the point in putting yourself through the, the, the kind of the slog of, of, of prep to get on stage and not be in stage condition and to have had a very, very tough time to get there. Like it's going to be tough regardless of how well your habits are set up, but it's going to be even harder if, you know, you, if, for example, you can't even hit your protein intake for like seven days a week. You know, like if, if you, if you can't hit your protein intake for seven days a week or follow like a, a calorie intake for like, more than 12 weeks like that is not where you want to be to start leaving prep at all yeah 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 it's 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 getting like the old because we we had a, we had a podcast two or three podcasts ago i think it was brain about mini cuts and you know even within that we talked about rapid fat loss phases and it's essentially not suitable for someone that can't get the basics right and that's the same it seems to be the same here with 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 what you described like as if someone is really struggling with their protein and consistency with calorie intake and you know the basic habits and even the the food environment stuff that you mentioned and stuff like that you know you're you're essentially setting yourself up to fail um and yeah like i think you know the whole aspect of because I think, as, as, as you said earlier, it is very much glamorized and people will post more typically about their prep on social media. But it's actually, you know, even for uh, for Emma specifically here, because she obviously really put the last two or three years in, yeah. like, and she does a good job of this in terms of like, she actually talks about, no, no, like, yes, you see this, you know, my, my lean self here over the last 30 weeks, but... I didn't get here without really spending the, you know, really grafting for the, for, for the two or three years before that training hard, being super consistent. Um, and I think that that's a massive part of it as well. Cause yeah, like you, you want to get up on stage and like have muscle to show, like there's no point. Like, as I say to some people, some of my clients, what often happens people in a, in their first more aggressive fat loss phase is they end up looking a little bit emaciated because they just don't have the yeah. muscle mass packed on from enough productive years of training um and that's kind of you know something to something to consider with, with a lot of this um, fat loss phases in general but specifically bodybuilding yeah yeah dead right and like i've been training pretty progressively and pretty diligent for years at this stage right and i'm not saying i'm fucking like superman or anything like that but like when i was getting getting on stage and i've seen like i stand on, on stage against people who've been doing it for a long time and longer than me like it showed like you know like the, the the shows i did well in like so 
I I did well in the WMBF show. I did well in the MBFI show. So my initial two shows, I like came third at PCA show. Um, but then once I, I got like into the shows abroad, like the standard like it gets gets raised, right? So like if you are getting on to stage, like <laughs> like you have to remember you're being compared against other people. It doesn't matter how good you look in your own bedroom taking your progress pictures in good lighting or it doesn't matter how good all your friends think you look it doesn't matter how good your coach thinks you look it matters how good the judges think you look and you're going to be you're, you're going to be judged and whether you like it or not as well you are going to be comparing yourself to the people that you see right before you go up onto that stage right <laughs> so do you want to get on stage like being like extremely confident in your ability to stand next to these people or do you want to get up there being like damn i really didn't do my homework you know um, I think I need a little bit more time because like that, like that happens to people, right? And they have end up having like a bad experience, and like there there are first timer uh, competitions, but even like the standard in some of those first timer competitions, like over in the UK, uh, in at Euros for example, like the novice classes were like insanely competitive, like like really really competitive, um like guys who may only have been training for like five years, but like they may be look like they've been training for 20 because they've had everyone like dial in or they have like really good genetics, you know? So like, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's definitely not something that you want to go into with no experience. Like, like you're not going to, I mean, I mean like other sports, it's kind of hard to really kind of have any kind of comparison because, you know, if you're playing a football match, you're either going to be on the team or you're going to be on the bench, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. So like, there's no kind of like, there's nothing like that in, in bodybuilding as such. Like I obviously have, have it going from like a powerlifting background. Like, I think powerlifting, like if you're looking to get into the gym, like I, I'd recommend competing within like your first six months to a year of just getting into the gym in a powerlifting competition, because like you are not going to be as judged against other people as you would be with with bodybuilding and the one of the great things about powerlifting is like you know you have your moment on the platform by yourself where everybody's going to be cheering you on whereas when you are on body doing bodybuilding nobody might cheer for you at all because you're going to be on stage with like a couple of other people like there could be like 10 15 other people and and the judges may not even look at you right imagine like how soul destroying that would be to have prepped for so many weeks, put in all that hard work, overcome so many struggles to get on stage for your big moment and you don't even get looked at. You know, like at one of the shows that I did, actually two of the shows, so at the UK DFBA, so the UK finals, as well as the Euros, I think Euros, I was literally on stage for like two minutes. That was it. So like, but the, the class was insanely competitive, but... I, I didn't even get a look at, right? And like, imagine if that was your kind of first experience and that can happen at your very, very first show. Like, luckily, that was my, my fifth show. Um, and then even at the UK one, like, you know, again, I didn't really get much time on stage. Felt like I didn't really get looked at. Again, that could be your very first experience with a bodybuilding show. And how, how is that going to affect your kind of want to do another show or want to compete in this sport a bit more? What's that kind of do for your self-confidence? Again, like, you have to be a bit kind of mentally kind of strong to kind of do something like that. I don't really think that's something that you're going to gain within like your first year of being in a gym where again, 
you do something like powerlifting, you get your first competition experience. Like, you know, everybody's cheering, cheering you. It doesn't matter what you're lifting. You get your first total. And then you have this kind of nice little objective number where you can just focus on kind of pushing that up over the years versus, again, bodybuilding. Like, you know, I could, I have come away from all those shows and I don't have any kind of objective thing that says, like, you know, this is where your progress meter is and this is where you get to level up to next, right? Because, like, even with, with, with the powerlifting, right? So, you have that nice little kind of total that you can kind of tell people that, oh yeah, this competition, I got a five kilo PB in my total. And people are like, that's fantastic, right? Whereas like all the shows that I did there, so the first two I got, I came first in, but I continued to look better every single show, but my placings didn't get better. But then mm-hmm. when I go to tell somebody else about how I got on, they're like, how did you get on? And if it's not a first, second, third or a win, his, so it's, to somebody else that that just means nothing like if you say oh i look better they're like what the fuck does that mean you know and they're like look at this new line on my ass <laughs> like, <laughs> people don't want to see that picture <laughs> but uh but like you know that that's that's something that you have to deal with as well like you know if you come away from your competition and you didn't achieve the condition you want you didn't get looked at by the judges somebody asked you how your body built show went you're like you, you just break down in tears, you know, so that, that could happen, you know, so I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, again, it's just like, it's a, it's a really good sport, it's a really good process, but these are just things you have to think about before you dive into it. Yeah. And I suppose not that, that, but expectations of it as well, right, in, in terms of what, what's going to happen, like, I think I think you had a great attitude from what I can tell throughout, like, you know, in terms of, you know, there's no pissing and moaning because you're, you know, because you're hungry, right? Because you said already you were choosing to do this, right? No one is making you do this. Um, There was, you know, your your attitude was towards like the placings and stuff was like, you know, you were able, you were able to focus on like, all right, how did I actually look show to show rather than like, oh I didn't didn't place in this one and like that means it wasn't success like it was very successful season um no matter what way you look at it especially given it's only your first one as well um and then you know we we were talking a little bit about this already but like it wasn't you you said off like before we started off air you know it wasn't as it wasn't as difficult as you anticipated it to be um so can we talk a little bit about that like in terms of you know so what what did your nutrition look like um what other things did you have to like went into this like to get you into that stage condition you know yeah so i started off with my nutrition in pretty rock solid place so uh, as some of you may know uh, i was working with brian uh, prior to certain prep so he obviously made sure i came into prep in an immaculate condition Um, i'll be a bit fat i have to say brian <laughs> Funny <laughs> <Body> joking. <laughs> um, so yeah, my calories are in a really good position. So I started off the actual process on like my maintenance calories are like thirty eight hundred to four thousand or something like that. Starting off prep, so I had a pretty high ceiling. Uh, and throughout the entire process, so from like you know week one to the very final week we made maybe four calorie changes, which is actually quite interesting because when I did fat loss phase of Brian the prior year, 
I went from 98 to 88 and we only made one calorie change. And my calories stayed at 3,300 pretty much throughout that entire process. Um, and then we like reverse dieted my like calories up to like 4,300 or something mad like that without like increasing body weight, which is weird. But anyway, uh, that's a side tangent. But <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, but yes, yeah, started off on 3,800. Then initial drop was down to like 3,300. So start my diet phase of the prep on 3300 and then over the course of the 36 weeks the lowest my calories got down to were 2300 so i had a pretty cushy kind of uh like time on that amount of calories i mean 2300 is relatively comfortable for somebody who's doing a natural a natural bodybuilding prep because when you are doing prep as a natural did i, did I mention natural uh, no it's a kind of a bit of a meme when a people when natural bodybuilders mention the word natural all the time. Anyway, natural. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> apologies. Uh, but yeah, so uh, with with that, like some some people who are doing the same, like you know, we 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 can only use food and expenditure as our tools to create the kind of look that we're we're aiming for. Um, so by by like through that process the thing that mainly is going to get changed is the food because food is like the easiest thing for us to track when you're coming into a fat loss phase you know if you're trying to increase the deficit by increasing your energy expenditure it's really an efficient process because you know you're just going to adapt to the kind of train stress and burn less calories over time through it so just easier to kind of manipulate your energy intake uh through that through that regard so like it wasn't uncommon for me to be talking to guys backstage about their calorie intakes and they'd be eating like sub 2000, you know, closer to the 1000 side of things at times when they're really digging. And so, you know, I definitely got a t like a pretty easy break there. Right. And like to put this into perspective for other people who may be going through fat loss phases, like your, your calories are going to be very dynamic over the course of your fat loss phase. They're not going to be held constant and they will have to go down over time. Like, and just because maybe you have more muscle mass than somebody or you're taller than somebody or you do more activity than somebody, like your calories are not always going to be like reflective of what the next person is going to be. Like there's guys who are on stage who are much bigger than me, like, and you know, they're maybe doing like more activity than me and stuff like that, but they are on way less calories. And that's just, just how we're built different as people. So like what you need to do to kind of get to your kind of fat loss endpoint, like you, you'll just have to do. So if that's, you know your calories being sub two thousand, that's what it is. You just gotta suck it in and see. Uh, so that's essentially what you may have to do. So I, I fortunately did not have to suffer that much in that regard, and because I had my diet set up in such a way, so like I was eating four times per day. My meal times did not change at all. Really true prep. I ate at nine. I ate at one. I ate at four, and then I ate at seven. And that that was pretty much how I managed my kind of meal time throughout the day because at nine that'd be when i'd have my pre-training meal then i train come home eat at one and then the rest of my day would just go four seven and throughout that process i factored in things like my energy expenditure for the day so i get about two thirds of my steps done before my first meal so I'd go out for a walk uh, then so i soon Trade the process, my steps got as high as 15,000 and they didn't go any higher than that really. Uh, on average, trade the entire process. So got about two trades of them ticked off in the morning. 
and then the rest were just kind of ticked off as I went about my day. Maybe if I need to, if I was a little bit more sedentary one day, I'll just get like an evening walk uh, capped in like maybe before my final meal for the day. Then every single meal, pretty much again, just like, I mean, set up in a way to support my fat loss, a decent amount of protein within it, more carbs around the training window, uh, some kind of fat source, a lot of veg, probably was eating anywhere between 600 grams to a kilogram of veg and fruit throughout the day. I just kind of keep my fiber high. Like I don't think my fiber dropped below 40 grams at all throughout the entire process. So that was the main kind of factor to kind of keep myself satiated. Like even uh, later on, trade prep. So like when, when, once my calories got to like 2,300, I was pretty much eating like potatoes like twice a day. Filling, you know, more filling than rice, more filling than pasta. Uh, fucking delicious when you're that low in body fat and low in calories as well. Like they, they literally taste like crack. And mm. Yeah. And then, then like there's like, I mean, there's very little... Towards that kind of stage, there's very little kind of processed food. I mean, like the most processed thing that I would have had in my diet was like cream of rice and maybe some um maybe some dark chocolate, like you know, like after after I trained with some whey. And that was kind of that was kind of it really. And then in regards to uh, other energy energy expenditures, so as as I mentioned, the main thing I was doing was like you know, dropping my calories over time to get the desired body fat that I wanted to and desired desired like kind of body fat uh, body weight drop per week doing those steps like you know 15,000 or whatever uh, broken up into two two walks and some pot running around for the day and then I had a little bit of cardio very very small bit of cardio I as, as I mentioned so we were talking about suffering uh, it was what kind of kicked this off but and I hate to break anybody's heart here but like I was only doing two I was, I was scheduled to do two 15 minute sessions of cardio per week i did 20 because i like you know, i'm an overachiever um <laughs> sorry brad if you listen to this for that extra 10 minutes of cardio i did per week uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah so i was, I was literally only doing, like 30 minutes in totality of cardio per week i know some people who were doing like an hour to an hour and a half a day of cardio you know um which is mad uh like I had to hold myself at times on that, on that bike for that 20 minutes. Like, you know, it was a real struggle. So I can only imagine what those people are going through. Um, so yeah, it, it, like in regards to suffering, that was fine. And then obviously in terms of like the mental anguish, I mean, like I, I, I knew what, I knew what I got myself in for. Again, I've, I've done plenty of diets in the past. I knew what my goal was at the end of the day. And like, again, like, Prep is prepping, doing bodybuilding. At the end of it, you are going to be stepping on stage in front of a couple of hundred people, like completely exposed. Do you want to get up there and know that you could have done more, or that you that you fell behind at multiple stages along that way, or you couldn't commit to like your calorie intake, you couldn't commit to your macros, you couldn't commit to your training, you couldn't commit to your steps, your cardio, what whatever, like there is like it's like the the day of reckoning is, is coming coming as they say right but so that that in itself not wanting to let myself down not wanting to let other people down like i was documenting the whole thing through through youtube and through instagram like you know so i have that kind of social pressure there as well but then i just don't want to get up on stage and embarrass myself 
you know, like I like I want to do the best I can because at the end of the day, it's it's not like it's it's not like dieting for a holiday. We're like you go on a holiday and like you have a six pack, like nobody really gives a fuck other other than you. Like like honestly, nobody cares. And it's gonna disappear in a few days because you're gonna go off drinking and like start eating out in restaurants, right? It's like the only person who really cares about your six pack is you at the end of the day. Like your friends don't care about you. The lads who are into lifting as well. Like all oh, that lads and savage Nick. But- yeah. Yeah, but like even like say like I know I know my friends have never once thought about like you know m- my six pack and like thought <laughs> of that as being like an intrinsic part of me being their friend, you know, um or like my family members they certainly don't think that either, and like you know I don't think anybody would be like, yeah, I think best thing I'm like about Shane is like, he has like shredded glutes, like you know it's like it's like. Uh, the only person who really cares about that type of thing is you. But if you're getting up on stage, you know, the judges are going to care. Like, you know, if you get up stage and you have, like, real soft-ass cheeks, you have, you know, a bit of an overhang over over your uh, posing, posing trunks, like, you know, they're like... What's this, lad? That's very brave getting up there like that, like, you know, so... So, yeah, there, there wasn't, like, that much kind of mental suffering in kind of that regard because I just kind of knew what had to be done and through following other people's preps along the process I kind of I knew like uh, like in prior years I kind of knew what I knew what I was in for you know but I it wasn't as difficult as I was expecting it to be because I was expecting it, like myself to be a lot more challenged or I was expecting I was expecting to have a lot more kind of periods of like falling off track I think the the hardest parts for me were like the peak weeks and the show days because like when you're kind of going through all the other weeks like you're just going through you're going through your kind of usual routine you're just going about your business you know sticking to your meals and like you know you're seeing that you're taking your check-in pictures at the end of the week and you're like oh i'm looking great and then it comes to peak week and you are like you know like the show days coming up and you're starting to implement slightly different protocols throughout the week, and you're trying to, you're almost kind of self-assessing yourself a lot more, and like like at my level of experience, like I definitely got a lot more kind of in tune with this uh, by the end, but you don't really kind of know what you're looking for for the kind of changes that you are making, um, and because of the changes that you're making, you can, especially when you're dieted and you're quite food focused you can start to be a little bit kind of looser with the kind of additions you put in so say for example my first kind of peak week i was changing a lot of like of, I, was, I changed a lot of my food sources um like throughout the week because it's like oh, i'm kind of craving this so i'm gonna like make this instead you know whereas like during that kind of period you're trying to like minimize the variables that come in to kind of have a real kind of stable and consistent kind of outcome it's like it's like imagining an experiment for like a really long time and then when it comes to like crunch time you're like i was gonna throw in loads of different variables variables right now and hope hope that my conclusion is what i expected to be like it it's it's kind of like that and like at, at the time i didn't really have that kind of foresight to kind of understand that I definitely developed it towards the end because what happens then is while you are kind of satisfying some of these kind of things that are like cravings in like the peak week where that is that's not the goal of the week the goal of the week is to maximize your condition so you look the best on stage you end up creating a little bit more stress because you maybe start to see your body change a little bit more kind of differently than what you're expecting to and the actual kind of 
the look is maybe not repeatable because maybe what you had the day the day prior, which was a craving, and you take it off, and then you don't have it the following day, and then how you look the following day is like a bit more erratic. You know what I mean? So, and and then it, like during during that week as well, uh, again because you're kind of self assessing yourself so much, like you just don't really have an objective eye at all. Um, and now obviously your coach is there to kind of help you through this process, which you should have a coach if you're going to be doing this. They are not there in the moment to kind of calm you down. There, there's going to be a little bit of a delay in the response time, right? Like Nobody's coach is going to be like, you know, on the button, ready for them to ping, ping them a message. Uh, so like you have all this kind of time. You could have like 12 hours, 24 hours waiting for a response. And the entire time you're like, overthinking your head like damn i don't look how i look like i've just like dieted for like the last 25 weeks and i'm starting to look worse like what the fuck's going on here and then that stress causes more of the kind of look to deteriorate because like you know water is going to start to or cortisol is going to start to increase your kind of water retention and stuff like that so like then again you start to look worse as the stress compounds and then you, you are getting closer and closer to show day and then you're thinking like fuck it like i'm master fucking up and can start to kind of play around with some more variables and then that ends up with you not looking how you want to look on the show and thankfully i didn't go as true as much of that like kind of anguish but i could see how a lot of people could get to that point because i definitely did go through periods of like those peak weeks where i was like stressing over how about how i looked more than any other part of the process and on the show days as well because on the show day you know your time to come on stage is is coming up and what you would generally do on a show day may not necessarily 100 reflect how you would go about your usual day because you're generally trying to keep like you know your steps steps lower you may start eating your meals way earlier you may have like slight kind of changes to your kind of meals to make your keep your waist a little bit tighter and then you also have to maybe deal with like kind of higher hunger on the day because again the goal of the day is to kind of nail the look versus trying to keep yourself kind of satiated for the day right so you have to make kind of food choices there and then you have to do more hunger a little bit more kind of stress maybe some slight kind of dehydration at times um but that's one thing that i i, I struggle with all show days was like we didn't cut water at all but it was just a case of not necessarily guzzling down like this uh this tr this gallon jug that i have uh, for anybody who's not watching or I don't know if you have a visual component but like, you know, I usually just goes a lot down without carrying the world. But obviously, if you're doing that before you get on stage and your gut ends up being distended, it's not a good look. You want to want to keep the weight waist tight, so maybe start sipping on water a little bit more. Mm, yeah, it's I think like what you described there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Fire away. Oh, this bursting. Yeah, so I suppose what you're saying there, like Everything you described, it's so, especially down to like the getting close to show day, there's so many minute little variables that actually have like quite a substantial effect on the look on the day, you know, um, which is, which is, which is something that like, you know, as you say, there's, there's a cycle, there's this, there's this sort of physiological, what you're actually doing with your diet and, you know, what's happening to the body, but then there's this whole psychological component of it. That's the, that's nearly the, the trickiest part to manage. Cause you're, as you say, like you're, you're, you're really keyed into what's happening 
And then you're also probably being quite harsh on yourself. And, you know, you're, you can't obviously get that objectivity. Um, and that's probably one of the major challenges um, with something like this, even even for someone like you that's generally has the proclivity towards being a little bit more relaxed and, and, and stoic about the, the situation. Like it's, it, it definitely, it sounds challenging. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And like, even like just small things, like, would happen over the course of like the kind of shows so like when you go from being in your usual lighting at home and kind of seeing how your physique looks and then you go to a hotel or to an apartment that has like shit lighting and like you see yourself and you're like what the fuck has happened but it's just the lighting like it's nothing to do with you but you know you're kind of looking at yourself so often and you're like 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 what what happened um or then even like when you initially get the tan on so the way when I was getting the tan anyway, uh, you get like, you know, your first coat the day before and then you get your second coat the, the day of. And generally the first coat was like really, really, really dark. And even just getting that on initially and you're like, oh, with the tan on, I should look better. But again, it really depends on the light because the, the, the tan is so dark that like it's made to make you look really good under the stage lights, but under normal lighting you kind of just look a bit like kind of washed out. Like you don't really look as defined. So then again, that was like, uh, that could have played with your mind quite a bit. I know on the very first show, <laughs> I got that tan done initially. And it was the first time I ever getting it done. So I didn't know what to expect. And when I was taking my uh, pictures to send to Brad, so the night before the show, um, I took them in front of a brown curtain because that was what they had in the hotel. So myself completely bronzed, standing against a brown curtain um yeah it was kind of more like camouflage but like the actual kind of the pictures i was like looking at them i was like i can't believe i have to step on stage like this tomorrow you know <laughs> <laughs> but like and then even like with the with with the peaking protocol right so like when you are trying to peak like you're you're trying to essentially aim what what they call like full on stage so when you're like the the three the three terms you'll hear are gonna be like flat, full, spilled. Okay, so this is what they use in like bodybuilding terms to describe like how you are gonna look. So flat is going to be essentially when you don't have much of like carbohydrates or water like in the actual kind of muscles themselves to press against the skin to give a really defined look. Like you are at you're gonna look your leanest here, but you are not going to look big. Okay, so if like you were standing on your own, like you'd look shredded and you look you look good. But if you stood beside somebody who was a bit fuller and they did have the kind of carbohydrates and water it, like stored as glycogen and pushing against the skin, they would look bigger and leaner than you would. Okay, and then when it comes to spills, spills essentially is when you have have maybe too much carbohydrates and too much water and it's kind of starting to spill into like the kind of extracellular space or interstitial space, whatever. And then that kind of gives you a kind of softer look. So you don't necessarily look as lean as you were. So you could look just a little bit watery. So if you've ever woken up with water retention after a weekend or something like that, this is kind of what you may expect, right? But the the thing is you the the kind of the kind of margins for these things can be can be quite small and they can vary between person to person and then as well with how you look on show day some areas will be flat and some areas be full but it's trying to kind of balance 
how much you want each area to look. So like generally, if you have your upper body a little bit fuller and your lower body a little bit more spilled, that's probably a little bit more kind of preferential, um, I would say. But then if you ha- if you just kind of look look flat in your upper body and full in your lower body or like vice versa or whatever, like again, it, you just may not necessarily be the look that, you know, the judges are looking for or that's kind of what or what will make you stand out against other pre- people on stage, you get me? Um, but then just going through that process, if you don't really know what you're looking for, like it's very hard to kind of establish a peaking protocol. Like one, one thing that we kind of uh, distinguished across my shows and across my peak weeks and the kind of planning for me to get where we wanted to be was that my physique didn't have really, really pronounced kind of differences between uh, the kind of three categories. So my, my physique was pretty stable um, for whatever reason. So it didn't really matter too much if we spilled over too much or if we were a little bit flatter because I didn't look that much different between the three between the three categories. Um but again, that's very different. Like I there's other people who that would be a little bit more kind of pronouncing, could be due to maybe them being a little bit leaner or them having more muscle mass or them just being a little bit more responsive to carbs and water um than I was. Yeah. I suppose your your carbs didn't get super low relatively speaking either. So I'm sure that would make a difference, right? Yes, that's that very true. The lowest my carbs got was two seven five. I think that's the lowest I got to. It's not not low, like uh, relatively speaking. Um, like you said, a lot of people have to go sub two thousand to to get on to get on stage. Uh, have to do weird shit with their diet, like eating huge bowls of sugar free jelly first thing, just for some fullness. Um, oats. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, what is the hype with cream of rice like is it a good prep food because i don't know much about it it doesn't seem like it's going to be satiating so tell me um it's it's delicious and you can volumize it a lot so like you know you could have like a 75 gram portion of the cream of rice and like use like 400 mils of water with it and then put some bacon powder in it and volumize it quite a bit um, again, there's like no fat in it either, so it's pretty much just like pure carbs. Um, yeah. so like yeah, I mean, I mean, it has like no fiber in it, so probably wouldn't be like a, a typical diet food, but it definitely kept me full. Like you know, I definitely didn't like struggle with my kind of hunger after because like I mean, I was putting on whey on top of it as well. I was putting on like 100 grams of berries as well, and there's some dark chocolate. So like, like the fullness I got from it was pretty decent, but I could see how other people wouldn't be associated from it but then again like i would when i'd have that cream rice in the day i would have like a meal about like two to three hours after so i didn't really have to wait that much i didn't have to wait that much time until i got to the next meal anyway yeah and then i suppose yeah it's it's again comes back to the relative amount of food you're eating like probably afford to have that like not be perfect in terms of satiety right Yes, yeah, like I think initially, I think when I was on my lowest calories, I was not having that. I was having like a fruit smoothie. So again, I was drinking my calories, but like it was very thick uh, fruit smoothie. I think I had like four or 500 grams of fruit in it. And then I was having that alongside some like Greek yogurt and uh, like a high fiber cereal. So like that was keeping me pretty, pretty full. So only once my calories got, I think, to 20 like 
mid 24s to 2500 calories that started implementing the cream rice yeah yeah right and then so we've talked a little bit about the, the prep diet there and see something that people struggle with quite often in this is when they're done competing right so well i mean actually one, one point i wanted to mention as well is like you did a lot of shows and like you know the the stereotype is like oh i'm gonna do my show and then have like a big feed afterwards and you guys didn't have that until the end right yeah yeah no we like i mean we still had chelsea we still had a goal like i mean a lot of our shows like we did six shows over the course of yeah eight or nine weeks it's just no time there to like add in like if 1500 2000 calorie 3000 calorie meal to celebrate like what are we celebrating we haven't finished <laughs> you know and that's pretty much the mind the mindset and like when you're when you're when you have that when you when you know that when you have the shows like like until like november like from september like it it, it doesn't seem worth it at the time you know yeah. um and as well once you kind of open that kind of worms it's very hard to put it back in yeah um because yeah, once you get a taste for it, like I think this is probably one thing that I noticed with like with some clients who like struggle with like trying to go through like an extended fat loss phase and they ha maybe have like a weekend in in the middle of it that kind of breaks it up or like a week away and they want to get back to diet and, and it's like they've just had a taste of freedom and then they try to get back into some form of like rigidity and it's, mm. it's very difficult for them to adhere to. Um and it can be the exact same with with prep, you know. Yeah. It, it was just, yeah, it was just a case of like you know the, the goal is not over. These are just kind of like little kind of step off points in between it. You know, once once it's over, then we can enjoy ourselves. But like for for now, there's still work to be done. Fat fat to be lost. Yeah, it'd be like it'd be like stopping for a point again. Guinness every ten k doing a marathon. You know. Yeah, like yeah, after you want after you have one, like you may as well have two. So we have two emails, we'll have six. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, so where I always go with this obviously is is when you were finally finished, you know, a lot of a lot of competitors struggle a lot with piling on body fat straight afterwards. You know, they end up binging in response to the restriction and then that taste of freedom, you know, tastes so good. So can you tell us uh, you know, how you manage that and like what kind of plan like what kind of plans were there in place, first of all? Like because Dean mentioned earlier you know, like an exit strategy, um, but also your kind of mindset and, and attitude towards that. Because you know, you were to set the scene, you were in Los Angeles for the the worlds, right? Which was yeah. that was the first that was what you qualified for in your first show, and then yes. it was the last and then it was actually the last show of the season. Um, in Los Angeles so you know kind of you're away you know obviously it didn't feel like a holiday until you were finished but um, you know we all like to go and eat more on holiday so uh, yeah tell us a bit about about how that worked in terms of what the plans were why they were set up that way and then because because you've you've done really well coming off the back of it like mm. you know so I so I joke the day like Brad says you're a bit too lean still so like you need to yeah. uh fix that so yeah talk talk to us about that yeah so i mean about maybe two two weeks out i started to pray like ask brad like you know what what the plan is going to be for after because again I, like i think coming out with diet you don't necessarily want to just like finish it and just be like okay well what now you're better off to have a kind of idea 
as to what the kind of plan is going to be going forward um, and what's going to be expected of you because like you know some people um some people off the back of prep will have different kind of attitudes than let's say 3 dmj would would some would want to like reverse slowly from that point or you know get you back onto like tracking macros straight out the gate whereas the kind of plan for me initially was you know i got down to 76 kilo being my lowest body weight 78 kilo was my stage weight and the goal pretty much was between finishing my show and like next weekend which was like the 16th i was to get back up to 84 to 85 kilos so pretty much put on you know seven to eight kilos from my lowest to stage but stage body weight up back up to that point and no no set macros uh but uh just basic kind of basic kind of tenets of like nutrition so the kind of idea is to give me a break from the rigidity of tracking macros like now i'm still tracking macros because it's just something i always do and i, I find it helps me with employing a bit of a ceiling because if i don't track macros like I will kind of, I'll be a bit more kind of sur, sur, uh, sur, superfluous. No, that's that that's the wrong word. Uh, I'll be a little bit too extravagant, but that's an easier word for me to say. Um, so like you know, at the moment I'm eating anywhere between four to four and a half thousand. Sometimes getting a bit close to five thousand uh, throughout the day, but that is with saying that I'm having like four meals throughout the day. I'm having four times where I'm actually sitting. Four, four times I'm sitting down to eat and outside of that, I'm not like snacking I'm not like binging on food like I'm not like letting kind of foods or meals get like you know out of control because I'm eating pretty much to the point of fullness for that time time course like if if I finish my breakfast and I still want to have something else alongside that like I'll allow myself to have it because I want to get to the point where I'm, where I'm feeling full mm. okay um, but when it came off the kind of back of like the last show like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and be like oh we just say got back to our kind of usual uh food routine for that evening or we just went home and had a nice quiet meal like i i I ate to the point of discomfort after after the show like i like after the show had finished so emma emma still had to get on stage but i wasn't not waiting around until she she got off stage to eat because like on show day you're you're hungry so you do want to eat something anyway so just went around the corner got very very nice burrito from like this authentic Mexican canteen. Uh, so I ate that, that was delicious. And then I had a, a little bowl of cream rice in my in my bag, which I had which I I prepped because I wasn't sure if it was going to be on stage a little bit later. So that was kind of like a kind of interim meal. But alongside this, I also had a bag of rice skulls. So rice skulls, if you don't remember them from back in the day, they're like frosted rice krispies. Um and I had to eat a bowl of bowl of cream rice to get to the bag of fro- to get to the bag of rice skulls because I was going to just try out the cream of rice. So I ate that after the burrito. And then I put in the rice skulls, whatever. Had those, and it was quite full. And then we had some donuts when Emma got, got off stage. And then I went to Cheesecake Factory. And that night, when I got home, I can tell you, I actually went from my stage weight to the go weight that night. I, I weighed myself as a little bit of an experiment. So I woke up that morning, 78 kilos, and I weighed myself going to bed as 85. Like, it's pretty much close to 85. Um, I looked like I had. I looked like I was about forty weeks out. I looked pregnant. I looked extremely descended. Uh, and then the next day, I woke up and I was like, my my like feet and lower lower body was like, or f- from below my knee was like swollen. 
like, like my arms and like ties and everything like extremely vascular like literally like pumped to bits like more pumped than a gym session but then like my my actual kind of midsection completely blown out looked like i didn't have abs my lower calves my feet completely like watery as well like the water retention was so bad that when i'd roll down my socks it looked like i had like tumors on my on my calves it was it was bizarre um so yeah like i mean like i I I really enjoyed myself following the show and probably too much, but like I mean that was I was in, I was anticipating that right like like I had just finished like thirty six weeks of dieting I was not going to be like I need to re- re- reel myself in here like after this like this initial evening because I knew I kind of knew it was coming but I knew the damage that would have been done in that kind of short time span was not really going to be anything that was going to lasting that was going to last and I knew that how maybe extravagant I was in that kind of time period was not going to carry into like the next few days because like you kind of get to the point where you're like oh, Jesus Christ like, that was an uncomfortable level of fall and you're like mm-hmm. I don't want to feel like that again like I actually think after the few days in LA like we did keep to a pretty normal kind of day, like structure of eating throughout the day like we ate out like three times a day while we were over there um, and we ate to the point of fullness at those meals. We didn't like kind of restrict ourselves in like what we were allowing ourselves to get because we'd done a lot of restricting up to that time point. But we just essentially said, right, the first few days following the show, we're kind of treating it as a holiday because we haven't had a holiday. We're in LA. We're going to eat three times a day. We're going to go to these places that we wanted to eat. We're going to eat these foods that we haven't eaten in a long time and we're going to enjoy ourselves. And then when we come back, we're going to be pretty much like once we got back to Ireland, it's pretty much just back to our usual routine, just like, with more of a kind of a free living scenario where we could eat a little bit more right so we kind of treat those days as a holiday and there was a little bit of waking so like my weight went from so well well on that day it went up very high it came back down so once i started hydrating again once i started eating my usual diet again my weight uh stuck around 81 so i did gain about three kilos of, of body weight which was completely fine because again, my coach gave me the target of getting my body weight up to 85 over the course of a month. So in that regard, I was succeeding in my goal at that time. My goal is not to stay lean. The goal of coming off stage is not to try to maintain that level of leanness and try to slowly build back up. You need to get yourself back into a healthy position. When you're in that position, you look the best you ever looked, but you're not in the healthiest position that you'll ever be. Because like at that point, like your sex hormones are completely tanked. Your thyroid function is probably in the gutter. Um, and then food focus, like the body image obsession, like you know, they're really, really high. So you want to get yourself away from that kind of point as quick as possible, which is the kind of goal of me having such a rapid weight increase. And like somebody asked me this on like my, uh, one of those Q and A's on Instagram the other day, like, you know, is there, is there a benefit to like deliberately putting on body fat versus like, adding on like muscle slow and in gradually increasing calories. And like there is depending on the context, like if you're going for the point of being at essential body fat levels and in like a negative position from a health standpoint, like putting on body fat is in your best interest at that time, because like, you know, you don't want to try stay living in that scenario where you have extremely high food focus while trying to like, the shackles are coming off, but you're still having to employ some level of rigidity while being really slow, slowly, intentionally like grad, like building up your calories. You're not in a position to build muscle because you probably have like fucking fuck fuck all testosterone, <laughs> um, and like you're you're gonna be weak, weak as well. Like 
not nowhere near as strong as it was when I started this entire process. And um, so like in that, in that case, it's better for you to get to a position where you are in an environment to actually kind of create muscle tissue, right? And you ha- have an environment that supports like, you know, normal hormonal function versus somebody who like, when I get back up to that kind of desired level of body fat, I'm going to be as lean as somebody finishing a diet for a holiday. You know, like yeah. in that scenario then, when we get to that level of body fat, get to that body weight, then that's when we're going to start bringing the the reins back in a little bit and we're going to start gradually increasing my weight over time again. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so that, that's, that was essentially kind of whole kind of logic uh, behind, you know, gaining weight a, a little bit quicker and just essentially to kind of get out all, all of those kind of itches that, you know, we've wanted, we've wanted scratched over like the last few weeks. Cause look, if you're going to be doing a prep, you're not going to be going out for pizza and uh, you're not going to be going out for burgers. You're not going to be you know going out for drinks, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, it's pretty much going to be put on hold. I know some people like uh, are able to do it. Like, I don't know if anybody knows of Alberto Nunez, but his prep has been extremely interesting to follow. So he did the same show as I did their WMBF worlds, albeit as a pro, but like he had a really, really interesting experience of his prep. Uh, so I definitely recommend watching his YouTube series. Cause like towards the end, he wasn't even tracking steps. He wasn't tracking calories. Um, he was eating out. Like I met, I met him the day before the actual show. He went out for a pizza the, the day before the show, you know? Um, but be- because he knows the way his body works and how he responds to food, like he was he was able to do it right uh, whereas like he but he's been doing it for like decades right he's competed for decades but as a first time competitor like you know t- employing that approach like you know probably gonna wake up pretty damn spilled um so yeah that was i, I wouldn't say i i don't think i struggled and i haven't struggled since coming home from the shows or since finishing the preps i think like the it's obviously like it was obviously quite tough initially seeing my body change so quickly because again, when you have that much definition and that many lines, you notice them going quite quickly. Right. And how you kind of see yourself in the mirror. Like I, I, I saw myself in the mirror for since like what September as being like, like shredded, shredded to the bone. And to see that kind of change in like this, in the space of a week, like that's quite challenging. Um, and like definitely like the day after the show the day after the last show where like you know I had that more extravagant day and I woke up the next day like I'm not gonna lie it was like deflated with how it looked and like Emma had booked a photo shoot for that day as well Uh, so like you know that was uh, that was not too fun because it's going to the photo shoot being like people are gonna see these pictures and I'm not gonna look like you know how I looked yesterday like I'm gonna look fat in my eyes right at that time and then we've gotten like the proofs of the of of the actual photo shoot back i'm not fat at all like i would look a little look a little look a little bit watery but i'm still like shredded by normal person standards um but that's just like things that like you know your mind goes through because you're you're seeing your you're seeing your body image change so so quickly and again if you can't kind of rationalize why this is important to see your body image change and think of all the good things that you're missing out on by being shredded then that's going to be a lot harder of a process because like I've been in the position where I've been that like 94 kilo tick powerlifter. And now 
putting my I have to put myself back in that person's shoes and think about like all the benefits that came alongside that and all the negatives that came alongside the body that I was just living in. Because all the negatives, like well, the the body that I looked that was on stage and went through the bodybuilding process in the last few weeks, it looked amazing. Like videos, pictures, they all look savage. Like, you know, they're the type of things that like, you know, you'd see on like a, a men's health cover or something like that. But the actual kind of feeding and the day-to-day living in that body was not something that I wanted to have long-term. Like I, I value being strong way more than I value being lean. I value going into the gym and people be like, damn, what the, what the fuck is that guy eating? Like, you know, like look at the way he's lifting. Like, I, I think that's a much cooler feeling because like, look, realistically, if you get the habits built in, and like you can get shredded like it's 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 really not that difficult um like you know you could be somebody who is you know weak as piss and and shredded like you know the guys that are standing on stage like i was probably stronger than a lot of them mm-hmm. and they looked so much better but like again i value being like really really strong and like being strong and jack to me is like it is really is really cool but it takes far more effort for you to go from like like a 200 kilo squat to a 300 kilo squat but anybody, regardless of like you know strength or skill level or whatever, you know if you have the habits, you can get you can get shredded. Um, so like that's like one thing that I that I value and that that be kind of bias that I would have, right? Um, but then again, like even just with with eating, like you know, like yeah, sure, I could probably maintain the kind of leaner physique, but at what expense does that come? With? Like I like being able to go out at the weekends and just like order three courses and not have to think about like what type of calories were in it. Uh, I like to be able to go out for like a random night out with my friends and not have to worry about like waking up and being like, Oh my God, my lower abdomen is a little bit inflamed. Um, I like being able to do random things. I like being able to go out on walks and like, you know, not have to worry about like, you know, uh, the fact that my, my feet are dragging. Um, there's a lot of benefits that come along with being a little bit higher in body fat versus how that looks. You know, um, again, just something we t- t- talked on earlier, you know, having a lib- libido, like, you know, if you, if you try to maintain that level of body fat, like, you know, you could potentially become infer- infertile, you know, as a female, you know, if you lose, if you lose your cycle and you try to maintain that level of leanness, again, you may become infertile, you may develop like, you know, osteoporosis and that pretty early on. And um, so like, there's a lot of uh, like risks that come with trying to maintain a kind of body like that. And like i'm not saying like you know you should be you know 25 percent body fat or anything like that but like you should ideally be living at a healthy body fat range um and somewhere that you're quite comfortable with how you look somewhere that is not impeding on other areas of your life and is it a way that i suppose is going to support your kind of long-term health and mm-hmm. um, rather than just being aesthetically pleasing yeah because like what what's it going to do for you staying that lean like trying trying to stay that lean nothing good really like you'll be like oh yeah i look class but like for for what like, yeah yeah it's like a, it's like what we were talking about last week about you know why people get so hyper invested in like body composition related um goals or in this case maintaining a very very lean physique and oftentimes it's like oh i want to like be more attractive and it's like no one like you being like eight percent body fat versus you being like 13 percent body fat like for for about 99 percent of the population no one's gonna like care 
Um, yeah. and this is especially true if you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> you know, if yeah. you're if you're if you're a really really shredded asshole or you're a really sound 13%, I think most people would pick the really sound person at 13% body fat. Um, and you're more, more likely to be sound when you're at 13% because you're not, uh, you know, you're not, uh, you don't have the negative impacts of, of trying to maintain that shredded physique. Like, so it's... Um, you're more yeah, like, uh, at, that, at that lower level, you're more like a Ken doll. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah like what, one thing I, I've always kind of kept in my mind through the entire process is I think you got it from the, from the Stoics is like, you know, like everything that you have is, is it's borrowed, but it's not, you don't own it essentially. So like you don't own this, like the, the shredded physique. Like I don't, I, I never owned like the strength that I had, like everything that I had, I had to work towards to maintain it. So like, you know, by not working on those things all the time, I'm not going to be able to maintain them. And then obviously you know, as a result, some some other things that you think you have and own, like they can slip too. Like things like again, like if all you ever are working towards is you're know, maintaining a shredded physique, like other things will suffer, as you mentioned, like things like relationships can suffer. You know, again, if you say for example, me, I valued my strength, but to get to the point where I was going to be on stage as lean as possible, I had to sacrifice some of my strength. So and it has to work back towards that to get that back. So, you know, every everything is like it is transient in a sense. So like if you have your identity rooted so deeply into being, you know, that shredded person, like, you know, you have to work ex- like very, very hard to kind of maintain that. But it's it's never really truly going to be yours, you know. Yeah. And again, for what? Yeah. And it seemed like you were maintaining your strength really well for a lot of it. And then did it did it drop off at some point? There was a down to the change in programming, like you weren't, you know, it was too fatiguing to keep doing squat bench deadlift the whole time or what happened? Um, it was the case. So like I, I dropped out like bench in like June and I dropped out squats uh, once competitions started really. And that was mainly because like, well, first of all, a bench actually just like it just started to regress. Like I got to a certain point where it was like increasing, and then once whatever I got like too lean across my upper body, um, it just started to feel worse and worse and worse. I was just not getting much from it, and it just became unenjoyable to do because it's just seeing it regress. So just changing up to some movements that I could connect with my pecs a little bit better with, because like I had shit. Like I mean, there's no kind of necessary exercises that you need to do for bodybuilding what you just need to do is just like stimulate the muscle and if like what you're doing is number one you're not progressing in it you're forced like you're struggling to maintain load and then because of that you're probably pushing your limits a bit too much and you're causing too much fatigue and you're not getting much muscle stimulation like that's a fucking terrible exercise to keep in you know um and then like towards the shows like like i wasn't deadlifting as much like i was deadlifting like maybe every two to three weeks so like that hasn't like really dropped off that much but squats definitely did because i i I only started squatting again like last week, really for the first time since September. So because it's like dropping out that skill, yeah, it's just focus on rebuilding it. Like my strength is still there. Like my leg press, and my leg extension, my leg curls, like they all like all my machine based stuff is pretty much stayed the exact same. So I haven't had like any actual like muscular strength dip. It's just just been purely like like a skill deficit. Um, but like the main reason I kind of dropped out like the likes of squat is to just too fatiguing. 
like even like from a mental standpoint like you know get to get to certain weights and you're just like going into sessions and you're just like fuck i have to actually do it and it's that feeling is nice when you're well fed and you feel like you know real big and stable but when like like i generally when i was doing deadlifts or rdls or even like leg press at times i I felt like i was gonna snap (laughs) you know because like you just don't have the bracing capabilities anymore and you're just a smaller human like you know somebody who is 70 like you know sub 80 kilos trying to get underneath like 170 kilo bar like it's it's a it's a big weight like you know um so yeah that like that was kind of the main reason and like then even just like what it would cause in terms yeah what i mentioned there already causing too much like systemic fatigue versus like any kind of muscular fatigue so it just becomes a, a poor exercise choice like you know if i get you know from a set of squats if 75 percent that is going to be coming from like either uh like neural fatigue or like systemic fatigue versus like you know like muscular that's a very poor use of like my energy, which is very limited at that time. Like, why not just do a leg press, you know? Um, again, like, you know, when I want to kind of bring those back in and just bring them back in, it's going to be fine. Like it'll take me like maybe six to eight weeks to get back to where I was prior to, or at least 90% where I was prior to starting the bodybuilding prep. And that's completely fine. I'm not going to stop training for the foreseeable future. So, you know, the time's going to pass, be grand. Yeah. Um will we wrap it up? I think uh unless you guys have anything else to just like to talk about. Not really, no. I think I think that covers everything. And then yeah, looking at the time, probably uh get it wrapped up. Um just to briefly Shane, like what what's what are your plans now going forward? So I am gonna be moving to Canada land next month so that is i mean the initial plan like i mean like the the plan for like the next few weeks is not necessarily anything to do with training um like i'm still gonna be training away like still training pretty much every other day maybe train five days a week or something like that at the moment i don't really have a kind of set set plan at the moment i'm gonna be starting on a new program for next week um so it's gonna be like you know seeing people before before i go away i've seen a lot of friends i haven't saw throughout the entire prep process because not none of my friends really are into bodybuilding or powerlifting so you know trying to meet up with them and spend some time with them before i head off uh, because i've been incredibly selfish over like the last last few months in in that regard right so that's kind of the main kind of protocol you know tend to life as opposed to lifting because i've spent a huge amount of the last year just dedicated towards my own goals so that's that's kind of the main priority and enjoy my christmas enjoy some nice food and then when it comes to january i suppose gonna be over in canada i'll have no friends (laughs) and so yeah i I mean pretty much the plan is like next bodybuilding season i do will be like 2025 so it's a long long time away like definitely in that kind of time course i'm going to be doing some paradise competitions for for sure don't know when the next one will be i don't really have any kind of plan on that as such um, but then I'll just be kind of focused on bringing up my weak points uh, realistically. Uh, so I, next time I get on stage, I look a bit better. But yeah, it's, it's a like the thing about like bodybuilding is like it's a very drawn out like kind of time course. It's not like football or rugby or like kind of your usual team sports where you be playing every single weekend and you have your kind of seasons which you'll do uh, every year. Like it's it's 
for the most part, it is like kind of 24 7 because like everything you do like on a day to day basis is going to contribute to the goal at some point or another. But you know, you don't really have to be like extremely anal about it until you get to your actual kind of competitive season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think about all the things that have happened over the course of the last three years, and I ended up in this position pretty fine. Like, how over the course of the last three years, what I did a lot of competitions. I had, I had a lot of nights out. I went to a lot of festivals. I had a lot of days where my nutrition wasn't great. I had, you know, a lot of social occasions. Like, you know, a lot of, a lot has happened where, where if you looked at it on a day, on an individual basis of like those kind of events, you'd be like, well, that's not going to contribute to your goal. But, you know, these things happen over very long time spans. You know, if you go out a weekend, like this weekend, it's not really going to affect what you do in two years, you know. And what happens is what you do in, in between all those events, you know. Yeah. Um, did, do you get any feedback in terms of, like, body parts you need to bring up or what, what you know yourself? Yeah, so basically the kind of feedback I got was uh, from, from the final show was that my waist is just a little bit blocky. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like... It's, it's very difficult to kind of change your waist size because it could just be kind of tied down to your structure. So one thing I am I've started doing is I've started doing like uh, vacuums mm. every every morning to try to control my midsection a little bit better to gain control over the transverse abdominis, so the sheet of um muscle that's underneath the actual six pack. So that's that's a quite common thing that bodybuilders will do to try to shrink their waist and has some kind of efficacy. But other things that are just going to be way more kind of uh, manageable there is just making all the other body parts around it bigger. So I need to make my delts bigger. I need to make my quads bigger. Um, and like my lats potentially as well. Just to make myself look wider and have more of an X frame. Um, so they'd be kind of main things that I, I probably, need to, probably need to work on over the course of the next while. Because like when you, step, when you step out on stage, your front your front shot is the first thing that judges see and that's going to be the thing that sticks in her mind and that is my weakest pose like my uh front my front relaxed my you know front lat spread my front double bicep they're really impacted by a lot of those body parts that i just mentioned there and i just don't have great shots of them like when i get into my side poses like it definitely would be uh, on the level as anybody else on stage same with my back shots like my back is a real strong point and the, like the definition that I get in my lower body as well from the back too, like it really kind of stands out. But just from the front, it's just a weak shot. So like you know, if you don't make a good first impression, it doesn't matter how good the rest of the shots are. Really. Yeah, um, yeah, that was one thing we didn't actually get to talk about because I forgot uh, throughout the episode. But uh, it was the posing side of things, um, and how that's another part. Like it's not just. You're not just doing your diet and, and getting in great shape. Like you have to present learn. it. Yeah, you have to learn. Like that's a big part, right? And uh, I don't know. I get the impression people often uh, overlook that and then don't like put the requisite time. Into yeah. Or that, right? So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was um, I got a posing coach about like halfway through, um to help me with that because yes like i mean if, if you can be in condition you can have the muscle mass and that but if you can't present it it doesn't really matter and from i'd say about six weeks out from my first show i was practicing it every single morning for like 10 15 minutes 
Mm. You know, every every morning I wake up at half five, start my posing at quarter six, get to 15 minutes done. And that was it. Like I had to had to do it first thing because I didn't do it first thing when I was pretty much already naked anyway. And then like I wasn't gonna do it at all. And it's just like it it's one of those it was one of those things that I, I like towards the end I really dreaded doing it because it was just so repetitive. But when I got to actual do actually doing the shows, it was effortless. Like I was probably one of the better posers up there um, because I was practicing it so diligently. Because like even just like holding the smile, you know, not shaking too much, um, you know, controlling your breathing, like it's it's a lot more, it's a lot harder than it looks. And like at, at the last show, they really made us work. Like they made us work harder than any other show, which which I really enjoyed because it meant that they were really looking at you, which from other shows, like I know with the other federation, like the INBA, like I felt like they just like had like one, they did like you know one round of comparisons and that was it. Whereas like with the WNBF worlds, like we were just doing the symmetry round. So that's like the front, the front relaxed, the side, side symmetry and the back relaxed. Uh, we were doing that. We did that maybe five or six rotations, you know, and it's, it's really, it's really difficult. Like you get off stage and like, like your muscles are aching. Like my back was in bits because like you're trying to like flex your lower back and like flex your glutes at the same time, and you're tr- trying to squeeze everything uh, while like maintaining a smile and maintaining your breathing. So it's it's, it's low intensity cardio. Yeah, it, it really it really is. Yeah, and it's a big big part of the sport that uh, can make a huge difference on the day. Like, yeah, big time. Like if your if your physique is is fantastic, but you're posing as shit, it's probably really gonna work against you. Like from a from a competitive point of view, yeah, that was yeah, a lot. Like, ha- ha- having a nice car, but it's dirty. You know, it just needs to be cleaned. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think uh, I think that covers everything I want to talk about. Now, just that came to me there again. So, um, yeah, thank you for coming on, Shane. Um, good chat good to to get filled in properly on on what the prep was like and i'm sure people will will find it very interesting and take a lot from it obviously your youtube series is there you know powerlifter the bodybuilder you documented the whole thing so if people want to want to have a look through that um obviously get, they'll get a lot more uh, information and, and yeah i mean the vlogs and there's plenty of information there and see what it's actually like on show days like the visual components to this because you know this is just us talking about it um and then uh you know people maybe wanting to work on this stuff for themselves you know if they would they can enlist your help um you know you're like you have walked quite a distance in the walk at this point now for over the the course of the last few years in powerlifting and then obviously this year and in bodybuilding um and like we were talking with you yesterday it's like you've you've crammed you know probably three seasons worth of shows into one right so really really gained a lot of experience uh through that so yeah if people want to work with you on that um you are more than willing to help them if their goal is to get uh you know, if they have physique goals or or strength goals or both, like you, like, yeah. you've done both here in in a short space of time. So, um, people can contact you about that uh, on Instagram. Obviously, you're coaching with us in triage, so you can contact triage directly as well. Um, anything else you want to add? 
yeah, pretty pretty much pretty much wraps it up there. So yeah, like um as Brian mentioned, you know, if you do need help with any of this stuff, somebody who has kind of put themselves through the experience themselves, like he was pretty well versed in physique development as well as strength development. Like, you know, don't hesitate to get onto me. You know, I would love to get some uh, aspiring bodybuilders uh, on my roster. You know, it'd be cool to put people through their paces. Uh, but as mentioned, you know, it would be it would be a decision from my point of view as well that would have to be kind of deliberated on. And, you know, we would have to work together for a while before I decide to put anybody through a prep. So as I mentioned, I'd be expecting people to go through those kind of two to three uh, diet and kind of gaining phases first, whether that's with me or whether that's they've done that in the past themselves. Uh, but that's definitely a prerequisite uh, to getting involved in this but yeah if you are looking to kind of get yourself started don't hesitate to get on to me lovely all right we'll wrap it up there guys i'll leave the links for everything in the show notes as per usual if you like the po- if you like the podcast please share it around um that's the best way to get it out um and yeah we'll catch you guys in the next one peace